Amen. Like to welcome you to our Wednesday night service, and we do pre-record all our sermons and messages, and we put them online, unless we have guest speakers at the appointed time. But we do thank you for tuning in at this time and listening to our Wednesday night message, and we thank God for your presence and welcome you, those of you that are listening by the way of the internet, and please pray for us as we pray for you, and, and I trust this message will be a help to you. We live in a perilous times, we're living in dangerous times, and we live in times where uh, it's real easy to lose our focus. It's real easy to lose uh, our love for life. And uh, it's, uh, my heart goes out to people that are caught up in this war and caught up in things that are happening, and. And they, they've lost uh, their sense of purpose. They've lost their sense of, of, of love for life even maybe. And, and uh, many people don't value life anymore. But I, I'm glad for the life that God give us, gives us. But even in perilous times, in times where there's doubt, in times where there's darkness even in our life and we can't see the light as clearly as we once was uh, or we once did, uh, there's hope for the child of God. Uh, we can still love life and see good days. And this is the second part to the message that I preached last Wednesday night. And, uh, and uh, so this is part two of how... How to love life and see good days. What, what does God say about loving life? And last week we looked at, uh, at Solomon that said he got to the point where he hated life. Uh, it's just all vanity and vexation of spirit. Can I say that if all you're doing is living for material things or living for the temporary things of this world, uh, you will come to a point where you'll just hate uh, life. Uh, uh, even my grandpa, uh, late in his days there, he come to a point where he said that just, you know, he just didn't see the point in living anymore and, and, uh, and things like that because he, he was yearning for home, of course. He was yearning to be reunited with Jesus and with his wife that passed on before him. But still, he, he had lost a love for life. Life and and uh, but no matter what we face and what circumstance we find ourselves in, we can still love the good life that God has given us and see good days. You know, last Wednesday night we looked at the first three points, if you would, of the message and and keys to loving life and seeing good days there and. And uh, out of all the writers of the New Testament, uh, the Lord chose Peter for these final words to you and me. And, and I believe Peter knew a little something about what he was writing. And, and I can say there's times in my life that, boy, I identify with Peter. You know, Peter's mouth got him in trouble more than anything else. Uh, it was his mouth. Uh, and there's times that I can, I can identify with his brother Andrew. And every time you find Andrew in the Bible, he's bringing somebody to Christ. I'm glad I can identify there as well. And I love bringing people to the Lord and telling people about Jesus. Uh, and there's many times that I can find myself identifying with old Thomas. Uh, you know, there's times where I'm just all in. And you, you see that in the life of Thomas and He's just all in and gung-ho and ready to go. But then there's also times where doubt uh, had clouded his spiritual vision. There's uh, times I find myself thinking I'm like uh, James and John, those sons of thunder and, and the sons of Zebedee, and I'm ready to call down fire from heaven on a particular situation in my life. Sometimes I find myself even like Bartholomew and, and uh, sometimes like Philip. 
But I trust that there's no one here that would identify like Judas. You see, because Judas was a disciple as well. He was one of the twelve. You see, Judas uh, had never trusted in Jesus as his Savior. He never believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but yet he was numbered among the disciples. The Bible says that he died and he went to his own place in hell. For over 2,000 years now, Judas has been screaming from the depths of hell, I kissed the Son of God. I ate in fellowship with Jesus. I witnessed all the miracles. I saw lives being transformed, yet I failed to believe in Jesus as my Savior. Why did he not believe? It's because Judas had other plans. And, and though you may be underneath the sound of my voice and you may be sitting in the auditorium uh, and listening to this same message, uh, you, you may say, well, I'm saved, uh, but you better be careful developing a Judas uh, attitude and identifying as Judas. Uh, maybe not in the fact that you're saved and he wasn't, uh, but in the fact that Judas had other plans. Judas had another purpose. Judas had other prospects. Uh, Judas had other priorities that he was following and following Jesus. And Judas was influenced uh, by the wrong person. Judas did not love life and see good days. Why? Because he never trusted Jesus as his Savior. He never lived for God. He never saw his need to be saved. Wouldn't it be terrible to be identified with Judas? Peter and the others, they had their faults, but Judas, he was in the right place. He was with the right person, but he never put his faith in Jesus. Be careful. Identifying with Judas in your plans, in your priorities, and in your purpose. You see, Judas just walked to the beat of his own drum instead of being who God wanted him to be. Can I say that there have been many Judases leave out from among a congregation of believers. Oh, while they were in the midst of them, they seemed to fit right in. They appeared to be one of the sheep, but they were really wolves in sheep clothing. How many young people had grew up in a Christian home and were in a church every week, but as soon as they were able to get away from their house, their true heart was revealed. And they had no desire for the things of God. By the way, Judas, they always wind up leaving. And they always wind up being replaced. God chose the right person to pen this letter to us. God chose the right person to give us these final words to encourage us to love life and see good days. Last Wednesday night, we looked at the keys to loving life and seeing good days. And number one, that we had to keep our tongues from evil. Number two, that we must eschew evil. And number three, that we must seek peace. But I would like for us to start in verse number 12 of 1 Peter chapter 3 tonight and look at point number four, we must pray. If we're going to see love life and see good days, then we're going to, our life is going to have to be made up of prayer. In verse 12 it says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers. 
but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You see, God is for the righteous and He's against those that do evil. It says that His eyes are over the righteous. God never lost sight of Job and His ear was open to His prayer, but the Bible says that He was against Job's friends. If we're to love life and see good days that God has given us, then we have to be and keep ourselves in a position of prayer. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. That means there's nothing that hinders your life from walking and talking with God. I'm not talking about a physical location, being on your knees or in church. You you can pray going down the road. Just please keep your eyes open if you're driving. But we need to be in a position where God will hear our prayers. The Bible says that we cannot regard iniquity in our hearts and thank God that He's going to hear us. We do not work to be saved or to be forgiven, but we must work at keeping ourselves right. God will keep you saved, but it's our job. We have to put forth, if you want to love life and see good days, then you're going to have to eschew evil. You're going to have to seek peace and ensue it, and you're going to have to be in a position of prayer. That means living righteously. Our verses are speaking to save people. It says, let him refrain his tongue from evil. That saved person. Okay, you're going to have to put forth an effort to do that because our natural reaction of our flesh (laughs) is to let people know what we think. But that's not always expedient. His lips from speaking guile, let him eschew evil. That means we need to run from evil and we need to do good because God's not going to do that for us. It says, let him to seek peace and ensue it. God's not going to do that for us either. And we must keep ourselves in a position to pray. That means nothing between us and the Savior. If you want to love life and see good days, you're going to have to do what God says. Are you excited about the good life that God's given you? If not, then then why not? (laughs) Why, Why don't you love life? Why don't you see good days? Maybe you just need to start doing some things that God expects of you. Are you praying? Are you on good speaking terms with the Lord? Are you eschewing evil? Are you refraining your tongue from evil? Is there any guile in your lips? Is there any deceit in your life? What is it that's hindering you from loving life and seeing good days? I promise you it's not the Lord. But here we see in verse 12 that prayer is another key to loving life and seeing good days. You see, prayer is not just you talking with God. No, prayer shows our dependence on God. When we think that we have everything under control, that's when we tend to fail to pray. What can hinder us from a life of prayer? One of the things that can do that is a lack of righteousness. In verse 12 it says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. If you want to see good days and love life, then we must keep ourselves from sin. Because sin will hinder our prayers. The Bible tells us to flee youthful lust. To flee from the presence of sin. 
no matter what it is, if it's a besetting sin, the Bible says to lay aside every weight uh, and that besetting sin, that sin that hinders us and keeps us, we're going to have to flee from that to stay as far away as we can from that sin. If you'll turn to 1 Corinthians here, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. God reminds us that our body belongs to Him. It says in verse 11, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. There's been a change in your life. You're no longer that person you used to be. All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by His own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our bodies belong to the Lord. And if you and I want to see good days and love life, then we must be righteous in all areas of our life. And we're to flee sin. We're to flee youthful lust. And youthful lust is anything that draws us away from God. Have you ever noticed a one-year-old, a two-year-old, and how they'll pull their hand away from their parents? They either want something or they want to go in a certain direction and they don't like the fact that they've been restrained or there's someone's holding their hand and, and they don't like that and they're going to tend to jerk away from that because they've got their mindset on pulling away from them in order to do their own will. You see, in order to flee youthful lust, and we must surrender to follow God's will and God's word. Well, what does that translate to? That means you walking hand in hand with God. And this is how you do it. But see, right here is the problem. When we don't flee youthful lust, we're trying to pull away because we're going this way. God's saying, don't go that way. Don't do that. And stay away from it. Flee it. But yet we're like a little child pulling in that direction when we ought to just walk and be walking hand in hand with Him. If we're to see good days and, and, and love this wonderful life God has given us, then verse 13 tells us that we're to be followers of good. Look at verse 13. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers? Go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Sorry, 1 Peter chapter 3. If ye be followers of that which is good, in verse uh, 1 Peter 3.13, But if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. 
Just because we live a good life and follow after that which is good does not mean that nothing bad will ever happen to you. We need to get that straight. It does not mean that everyone will always be happy with you wanting to live for God. People's going to lie about you. People's going to talk bad about you. People are going to gossip about you. People are going to misrepresent you. And then they're going to blame you for the reason they did it. And you know what Peter says about that? If you want to love life and see good days, then Peter says, hey, happy are you if you suffer for righteousness' sake. <laughs> Why? Because suffering will lead to witnessing. And this is very important here. Look at verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see what I'm saying? You're, you're suffering. People are misrepresenting you. People are talking bad about you. Hey, you can still love life and see good days if you respond the right way because God's going to open up a door for you to witness if you take matters in your own hands and you try to straighten things out, there's no avenue for witnessing. But here it says in verse 15, but be ready. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Ain't that the truth? In verse 18, Peter reminds us to keep our eyes on Jesus. If all you do is look at those who wrong you and those who have done you wrong or falsely accuse you, then you will not love life. You'll be so focused on what they are saying and what they did to you that you're going to lose your joy. You're not going to see good days. But here, here's the benefit of suffering like that. It'll lead to witnessing. And, and you see that, you say, well, I don't, no, that's why God put you here. It's to be a witness of Him and for Him. As other people see you respond differently than other people would, then they're going to ask you for a reason of the hope that is in you. If somebody cuts you off and then you give them a gesture that's, that's, that's not right, that's a sin, but you give them the international gesture of displeasure, and you do that, you think anybody's going to think you're a Christian? Do you think anybody's going to want to know about Jesus after they see what you've done? You see, if you quit on God or if you seek to get back at those that did you wrong, then there won't be no witnessing. There won't be no testimony given of the hope that you have in Jesus. And in chapter 4, Peter reminds us that if we're to love life and see good days, uh, then there has to be a proper response to trials. Some of the best days that I have ever had are not when everything was going well. But it's when things were going bad and I still had peace and joy in my life. And God used those bad situations to open up a door for me to be able to witness to someone else. That's some of the best days of my life. 
You get to chapter 4 in 1 Peter here. Peter reminds us that if we're to love life and see good days, then we have to have the right type of response to our trials. Lastly, in chapter 5, if we're to love life and see good days, then we must call, cast all our care on Jesus. You know, I think Christians are carrying burdens God never meant for them to carry. And they wonder why they're struggling. They wonder why they just don't feel like they, you know, they're not enjoying life and they're not seeing good days. They fail to apply the scriptures to their life. We're going to have to cast your care upon Him. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, Casting all your care upon Him, all of it, for He careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Whatever it is that's bothering you, then you must cast it upon the Lord. You need to take it to the Lord and just give it to Him. Because if you don't, there's an adversary out there that's just waiting for you to be so burdened down by things that you shouldn't be carrying so that he can pounce on you and devour you. And he'll cause you to lose the love for life and to seek good days. God has a reason for allowing you and I to go through trials and troubles. God expects of us a proper response. And He will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You see, the Christian life's not easy. But you know what? It's the best thing on earth. I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. There's nothing like an old-time Christian with a Christian love to show. I'm walking down the grand old highway and I'm telling everyone that I know that I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know because I know that what God's doing in my life and, and, and God is the one that's working all things out for good in my life and that His thoughts toward me are thoughts of peace and not evil, I can see good days and love life. You know, every time I go to church, I see good days. Every time that God allows me to wake up and serve Him one more day, I see a good day. I love serving Jesus. Uh, being a Christian is the best life. You know, I just love the life that God's given me. Why? Because God's been merciful to me. God's been patient and long-suffering. God's given me much grace. I don't regret anything that I've done for the Lord, not one thing. I don't regret anything I've given up for the Lord. I don't regret it, not one minute. I, over the years, there's no telling how many thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars I've given to the Lord. I don't miss one dollar of it. Not one. Matter of fact, I love life. Why? Because I get to serve the Lord. I get to give to Him. Peter came to an end of speaking here. And he had no regrets. Oh, he made many mistakes along the way, but he didn't quit. 
He repented and he carried on in the grace of God. How about you? Do you love life? Or has the temporary comfort or, or, or some temporary thing kept you from loving the life that God's given you and seeing good days? You know, if you're not right with God in any way, whether it be a lack of service or a lack of dedication or a lack of surrender or a lack of obedience in some area that God, you know God has dealt with you about and God has spoke to you about, but yet you refuse to do it, then you're, gonna, you're not going to love life. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that which is, that which, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Anything less than our reasonable service to the Lord will result in a loss of love for the good life that God's given us. I hear people say, well, well, I just don't know what's wrong with me. Well, check your salvation. Make sure you're saved. I don't want anybody to doubt their salvation, but if you're not saved, then no wonder you're miserable. Is there any unconfessed sin in your life? Have you presented your body a living sacrifice? Do you refrain your tongue from evil? and your lips from speaking guile. Do you eschew evil and do good? I'm not saying just not do bad things, but are you doing good? Do you seek peace and ensue it? Do you pray? Do you witness? Do you give of your time and talents and treasures to the Lord? Why don't you start right there? And if you're doing all these things, ask God to help you keep doing them. I love life. I believe there's still some good days to be seen right here in America if we'll just humble ourselves and seek His face.